the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dennis Prager Show coming to you today from uh, Dallas, Texas. Right before broadcasting, I spoke to about 1,500 students at Dallas Baptist University, a terrific university that has the audacity to affirm God and country. How quaint. That's the, uh, that's the problem in a nutshell, is that what was normative in American universities throughout our history, God and country, are today considered weird, fundamentalist, whatever term you wish to use. I'll have more about that later, but that's where I am broadcasting from, Dallas Baptist University. And it uh, was a joy to uh, to be here, and it is a joy to be here. There is hope. I don't know how much of a chance we have, but there is hope uh, for the country. And anyway, I don't operate on whether there's hope or not. I operate on what I have to do. I think it's a very uh, it's very normal, but very uh, unhelpful question. Uh, are you optimistic or are you pessimistic? Optimists and pessimists both have reasons not to fight. The optimist thinks things will work out, so he doesn't fight. The pessimist thinks things won't work out, so he doesn't fight. So neither optimism nor pessimism induces people to fight. You fight because it's the right thing to do. You fight because of the thousands of graves at Normandy that fought for freedom, and nobody's asking you to die. Okay, just wanted to make that clear, a theme that I speak about on many occasions, fighting for the survival of liberty uh, and of this country. Canada has decided to commit suicide, as uh, Australia has and New Zealand has. The English-speaking countries are the greatest disappointments in the world. I don't know why. To this day, I don't know why, which is uh, not like me. I always ask the question, why? Conrad Black in The Spectator has a fairly direct statement about Monday's election in Canada. Another stupid, redundant, dismal Canadian election. (laughs) I like when a guy tells you what he thinks in the title. In the six years of his government, Trudeau has distracted the country with a ludicrously alarmist view of climate change and a preposterously self-important notion of how much difference Canada, with its minuscule carbon footprint and generally high ecological standards, can make. To this end, he has persecuted Canada's greatest industry, oil and gas, unmercifully, and driven large sections of Western Canada to contemplate the possible deliverance of separation. Canada is as divided as the United States. And I understand why people would want to separate from one another. That's why I agree. I agree when leftists say it. I agree. You have nothing in common with me, and I have nothing in common with you. So I I don't want the United States to dissolve. I don't want Canada to dissolve. But uh, I rather live in, in a good country than a bad country. 
I'd rather live with freedom than without freedom. I'd rather live with healthy people than with hypochondriacs. And there, there are so many examples that one could give. And his point is so, so right. Well, how many people live in Canada? I'll, I'll look it up. It, it, it's, it's minuscule. Even the United States, quote-unquote, carbon footprint is minuscule. If everybody in America decided to travel by bicycle, even cross-country, yeah, why would we take any carbon-emitting device when we could bicycle across the country? 38 million in Canada? Okay, thank you. It was more than I thought, but it's still minuscule in comparison to the U.S., obviously. Anyway, if, if, if everybody in Canada went to a bicycle, got rid of their car, decided to live in a hut, well, it's very hard. It gets cold in Canada. In Canada, by the way, global warming is not the issue. Global freezing is the issue in Canada, just for the record. But why bother people with facts. If everybody did that, it would have no impact on the world. In the meantime, China is building more coal plants at a greater rate than ever before. That's a country that theoretically does matter with over a billion people. But Canada is voting on its, uh, its carbon impact. He has further taken it upon himself, that is Trudeau, to acknowledge that English and French Canadians have been guilty of cultural genocide against the native people. What does that mean, cultural genocide? It's an interesting question, cultural genocide. That means the the mass murder of a culture. So, all right, at least it's not physical genocide, cultural genocide. What that really means is that, that Canadians, the people who made modern Canada, had the audacity to believe that Western values, democracy, the worth of a woman, equal worth of all people, and uh, not to mention the belief uh, in one God, that these were wrong for Canadians to have spread. Do people really believe that? Well, yes, if you're college educated, the odds are you do. But think about it. Was it really a bad thing? Had Canada or the United States been left, I know this is very, shall we say, politically incorrect to say the least, but there was no offense intended in the least. But would... would the North American continent be a better place if Westerners did not settle it? I mean, don't, don't people have to ask that question to be honest about the question of quote-unquote cultural genocide? Would, would the French have given the Native Americans the Statue of Liberty? Let's say, no, there were no Americans. There were only tribes as existed before Columbus arrived. Well, Columbus didn't arrive on these shores, but nevertheless, before Columbus came to the Western Hemisphere. Would the, would the world have been a better place if there had not been a United States or an Australia or a Canada, the countries 
charged with having a cultural genocide. Uh, to me, the, the, the question is ludicrous. A lot of people on this planet owe their liberty and even their lives to the United States. I don't think they would have owed it to the tribes of, of North America. It's not meant as an insult. It's just a fact. But uh, that's a big thing to, uh, to uh, Trudeau. And uh, that was, and the people of Canada reelected him. It's quite remarkable. All five political parties that elected MPs on Monday are left-of-center parties. The Liberals have governed for 84 of the last 125 years. 22 full-term election victories versus eight for the Conservatives. See, when you have it as good as Canadians have it, Canada has the, the great blessing of being boring. There, there is no greater blessing in life than to live in boring times. And Canada fulfills that uh, dream. And they have it so good that they need to find causes to give their lives meaning in the boringly affluent and free world that Canada has, has made and had for itself. They have it too good. Americans have it too good. Maybe that's what it is. Australians have it too good. The English-speaking countries might just have it too good. And so they're, uh, they're going crazy. They, they're going crazy from not having meaning. And so they develop the meanings that the left gives them. Anyway, so much for Canada. He didn't do, he didn't do as well as he thought he would do, Mr. Trudeau. So that's... That's... Uh, somewhat of a consolation. The President of the United States, the distinguished man, Joe Biden, spoke at the United Nations. I will be playing clips from his uh, talk during my show today, so you will hear what he said, but I'll just cite one comment that the Wall Street Journal editorial page cited. We've ended 20 years of conflict in Afghanistan, and as we close this period of relentless war... We're opening a new era of relentless diplomacy. Huh. Relentless diplomacy. It's a make-believe world these people live in. That's what the Taliban will be, really be affected by. Relentless diplomacy. Back in a moment, I'm Dennis Prager. Hi, Dennis Prager here again with a message for anyone struggling with pain. Of course, I want you to know about Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that tens of thousands are now taking every day. I take it every day. I like being out of pain. But I know you may be skeptical. I certainly was. Then I kept hearing about all the people, including my wife, who were no longer in pain. So I decided to give it a try. In fact, listen to Janice's story. I was skeptical at first. But because of the pain that I was having when I would uh, substitute teach and have to climb stairs, so I have lower back, hip, and even knee pain. And after about three weeks, I found that I could climb stairs pain-free. But it wasn't only pain-free. I could do it step over step without holding on the railing. I'm really happy. It's, it makes me feel like I'm young again. That's relieffactor.com or call 800 500 
800-500-8384. The Dennis Prager Show. Heard from Chuck Schumer and CNN and others on the left. There's no difference between Chuck Schumer and CNN. But I just named two. Uh, the charge that um, American police are whipping Haitians at the border. And it's a lie. But it doesn't matter who's going to report that it's a lie. The New York Times, the Washington Post, NPR. See, this is the problem. Nobody on the left reports when the left lies, which is on a daily basis. Truth is not a left-wing value, as I have said all of my life. It's a liberal value. It's a conservative value, and it has never been a left-wing value. So the latest is that they're whipping Haitians. Chuck Schumer says it with as straight a face as Adam Schiff. I thought Adam Schiff was the most accomplished liar in the Congress, and a lot of his colleagues give him a run for his money. It's very sad. Uh, None of this is said with any joy, but a society must rest on truth or it has no chance. They're not whipping Haitians, okay? It's as simple as that. But it does deflect from the fact that this, the current American administration, one is tempted to say regime, but the current American administration has no issue with vast numbers, millions in fact, coming into this country. One is, it has no interest in preserving the United States as the United States and it wishes to win election after election. And the more people you bring in, the more Democrats you have voting. It's not complex. Everybody knows it. But only we who are not on the left talk about it. Governor DeSantis, man I have great admiration for, the governor of one of the free states in the country, Florida, named researcher Joseph Ladapo or Ladapo as the Surgeon General of Florida. I know Dr. Ladapo. I've spent some time with him. I've had him on my show. And he uh, is the new Florida uh, Surgeon General. He uh, writes for the Wall Street Journal. He is, I believe, an epidemiologist. I'll get the exact uh, title uh, where he is exactly. Is he at Stanford? or is, Oh, UCLA. He's at UCLA currently. And he has the courage to, to basically announce the futility of so many of the things that we're doing. He doesn't believe uh, in the fear mongering that has taken place for the last year and a half going on two years. It is such a courageous move. I am actually fascinated that Dr. Ladapo, who is from Africa, incidentally, that Dr. Ladapo uh, has uh, agreed to leave UCLA for a position that obviously doesn't last as long as a tenured faculty position. I can only imagine, though I, I will I will call him up and ask him, but I, I can only imagine that he, like many of us in California, do not believe there is hope for California. 
California is a hopeless state. Uh, it, it is being uh, it is being uh, wrecked, and uh, it is being wrecked at a uh, at an ever increasing pace. the 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 overwhelming vote, if it was truthful, and it probably was, uh, to keep Gavin Newsom as governor, is sort of the last straw. People voted to ruin their own lives. That is, that is the definition of brainwashed. The people of California voted to, to, for example, poor people who voted for Gavin Newsom voted to keep housing prices in California the highest in the country. You know why they're so high? They're so high overwhelmingly because it's so expensive to build a house. And why? Because of all the green environmentalist rules in building a home. That's why. So they have voted for the party that makes it almost impossible for them to own a house. They have voted for the party that has so much taxes, thanks to the Greens and to taxation as something the left loves, the highest gasoline prices in the United States. Now, why would people who, who cannot afford $5 a gallon gasoline vote? What's, it, what's, the, what's gas price here? Anybody know? How much? 289 You're joking. That's why I didn't hear you well. I asked him three times what he said because I, I, I was sure I didn't hear it right. It's almost like saying 29 cents. 289 Oh. <laughs> I like Dallas. Uh, actually, I, I told my wife last night for the first time, I, I, I don't want to leave California because I have too many f- wonderful friends there. I founded a synagogue there, and I, and I love the, the people who come, and I, I've had a great life there, but uh, I'm in a state that is sick. And it's sick not because its rulers are sick. It's sick because it, many of its inhabitants are sick. They vote for these people. These people didn't come in through a coup d'etat. They were voted in. Gavin Newsom got a two-to-one margin to stay as governor. People whose lives are being ruined by the Democrats vote for the Democrats. Are they happy with their schools? $15,000 a year per pupil is, is what is spent in California, and they're among the lowest performing students in the United States. All they learn is that the United States is a cesspool. That's what they learn, to the extent that you can call that learning. And they vote to keep that in. They vote to, to, to sustain teachers' unions who, who, who are thrilled to bring into uh, five-year-olds Drag queen uh, study hour. I mean that that's what they that's what people are voting for. Then they deserve it, but I don't deserve it. I'm a good guy, and so it was 67 degrees in Dallas last night, and I thought that ain't so bad. It was actually 80 in uh, in L.A. You guys outcooled. In September, 
they outcool us in January, but in September, I, I, I do think about it. So that's why I think uh, Dr. Ladapo is leaving California for Florida and leaving a phenomenal position in, in the sciences at UCLA. He's had it. We'll be back. One eight Prager seven seven six. The Dennis Prager Show. Don't you get tired of commercials screaming at you to buy gold now with inflated promises on future values? In an unregulated industry, you need honest, real experts to give you solid advice to protect your wealth and top picks on the best coins and bullion. As environmental policy becomes a hot topic, one precious metal that's been significantly undervalued for years is potentially set to surge. Nick Grovich, owner of AmFed Coin and Bullion, has long recommended this precious metal up to 600 thousand ounces of this rare metal will be needed by 2030 to produce green hydrogen. Nick is doubling down on this pick, and you should too. Call Nick at AmFed Coin and Bullion to find out more. I've been friends with Nick for years, and he's my go-to guy when it comes to coins and bullion. I trust him. That's a very big statement, by the way. Call Nick at 800-221-7694-800-221-7694, AmericanFederal.com, AmericanFederal.com. Hello, my friends. Dennis Prager here in Dallas at uh, Dallas Baptist University, where I spoke today. And there is a piece in the Wall Street Journal by the president of uh, Regnery Publishing, and full disclosure, they are the publishers of many of my books and all of my books in the Rational Bible series. And I have appreciated their work tremendously. Tom Spence is the president. His piece in the Wall Street Journal is about banned books. So, Tom, first of all, of course, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dennis. Happy to be here. I'll bet you are. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm happy that you are. Uh, what is there every year, is it, there's a Banned Books Week or something? What, what is it called? Yes, it's Banned Books Week. It's a uh, week-long promotion in the book trade that's sponsored by uh, the American Library Association, the American Booksellers Association, and several other organizations. It's the last week of September, so it begins, it begins next week. And... It's a way to promote books that um, have been ostensibly banned. The, the joke of it is that the books that are promoted year after year have not been banned in any meaningful sense. And now the books that are in some real sense being banned are studiously ignored by Banned Books Week. This is Orwellian. Shocked, there's it, hypocrisy in the book business. Well, but. hypocrisy is too mild a term. It's Orwellian. <laughs> the books yeah. that are banned are not mentioned during banned books weeks, and books that are peripherally banned. Oh, give me an example of what they say is banned. So, so yeah, I mean, it, obviously it depends on how you define your terms. So if I, if I describe a book, if I tell you that a book has been banned, I mean, what does that mean to you? What's your first thought that it is no longer available to the public right i think that's a reasonable definition so if i'm living in the soviet union in the you know 1985 and i want to buy the gulag archipelago am i going to find it 
No, no, exactly. Because it's been banned, right? The right. government or somebody with authority to do the power to do it has made that book unavailable. The books that get promoted in Banned Books Week are usually what, if, if you dig into it and go to their website, they'll say, well, these books have been challenged. And that means that if uh, I discover that um, some children's book that is promoting uh, transgenderism or, you know, whatever the flavor of the day of the sexual revolution is in my first grader school library. And I go and complain to the librarian and I say, I think this is not appropriate for this setting. That book has been challenged and it now qualifies for banned books week. And People have been pointing out for a long time that, that, that calling this thing Banned Books Week is, you know, it's, it's a misnomer. It's, and, and if you look at the books, if you go to the website, they'll, they'll tell you, here's the top 10 uh, challenged books for, you know, for this year. And you will discover that there is a notable um, overlap between that list and the bestseller list. Right. So, so the, the, you know, the hate you give or Toni Morrison, the, the books that are that are promoted are not only not banned, but they're generally uh, bestsellers and that are promoted in every possible way. So it's been an exercise. It's been just sort of a silly thing for years in the I don't know, 30 or 40 years that they've had this promotion. Is there, is there one right-wing book on the banned books list? I'm looking here now. I don't see anything. No. No. Uh, and there's a couple that are not particularly pl- like To Kill a Mockingbird. That's always on there. Uh, and Of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck. Well, wait. Uh, what, who are the people banning Of Mice and Men? Uh, it says it's been banned and challenged for racial slurs and racist stereotypes and their negative effect on students. But the point I was making in this piece that I wrote for the Wall Street Journal is that Banned Books Week has gone from being sort of a a silly uh, pretense to being now, as you put it, Orwellian, because now I, I would argue that in the last year or so, book banning has come to America. You know, before that, Banned Books Week was, uh, you know, silly in a sense because books were not banned in America. There was basically no book that you could not get here. Right. Hold, hold, hold on there in a moment. Tom Spence is the head of Regnery Publishing, and we're going to continue with the subject of his Wall Street Journal piece, how the book industry says the the books that are banned are really not banned. There's a reason Gun Owners of America is known as the only no-compromise gun lobby in Washington. From lobbying in the halls of Congress and the executive branch to battling in the courts, wherever your Second Amendment rights are being infringed, GOA and their grassroots army are there. GOA has never compromised on the Second Amendment in its 45-year history. GOA's mission is simple, to protect, defend, and restore the Second Amendment. GOA has a special offer for my listeners and a free gift. It's up to us to protect the Second Amendment. Please visit gunowners.org, gunowners.org forward slash Prager to join in this important battle for liberty. That's gunowners.org forward slash Prager. 
That's right. Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. There's a piece in the Wall Street Journal today about Banned Books Week. And it is part of the make-believe world in which we live that the book industry, which is completely controlled by the left, except for publishing houses like Regnery, whose president I have on the line and who wrote the piece in the Wall Street Journal, Tom, Tom Spence, they, they act like they're martyrs on behalf of the banned books. Like if parents say, you know what, I really don't think my five-year-old should be exposed uh, to the non-binary versus binary sexual identity. So you are all of a sudden a book banner. Now, you give examples, though, of, of problems that exist in the other direction that they ignore. So what's the story with Abigail Schreier's books on transgender? Right, and that's, and that's, that's a great example. So Abigail Schreier wrote a book called Irreversible Damage, which Regnery published, that is about uh, questioning the uh, rush to improve inflict uh, permanent physical changes on adolescent girls who believe that they are transgender. And that uh, book has been the target of uh, a lot of people who wish it would go away. It was um, one way, well, book banning, it's, it's, it's interesting nowadays, uh, Amazon is kind of the focus for a lot of this because of its domination of the bookselling world. Uh, if Amazon does not carry your book, it is, for all practical purposes, invisible. I mean, it's not that there's nowhere else to get it, but, but that, it, it, its availability is seriously compromised. And so um, this past summer, uh, the, a, a group of employees at Amazon petitioned the company to remove irreversible damage from Amazon so that, you know, it would, it would not appear anywhere on the website. And that petition, we were told by sources at Amazon, went pretty much all the way to the top. And there was, there was an inquisition that, that neither Abigail nor the publisher uh, was informed of. And in the end, they decided not to remove it. So we were, we were grateful for that. But, you know, I just have described that as a, a near-death experience that that book had that we didn't even know about at the time. Uh, one of the, uh, I mentioned that one of the uh, sponsors of Band Book, the, the Band Book Week promotion is the American Booksellers Association, which represents, it's the trade group for independent bookstores, which, as you probably know, Dennis, is a, is a pretty left-leaning, left-leaning group of, of people. The ABA has a program that they call, it's called the White Box Mailer Program, where every other month they'll send a box of a few uh, books to their 750 members that, that the publisher has paid to have included in this. And it's just a way of getting your new title in front of, you know, 750 independent bookstores. And we, uh, we had the uh, Irreversible Damage, the new paperback edition, included in the uh, white box mailing uh, this summer. Apparently, nobody... It, 
the ABA was really paying attention, and the book book went out. And when the boxes arrived, a a uh, an employee at a bookstore in Brooklyn opened it up and was aghast to find a book that was critical of you know one fairly narrow aspect of the transgender movement. And she freaked out. <laughs> and, and like most people do when they freak out, she resorted to Twitter and, and uh, publicized the news there. Within hours, the ABA issued an abject apology in which they said that sending that book to their members to look at was an act of violence and they repented deeply. And uh, so the promotion that we had had paid for ended up being an occasion for defaming our author and our book. And that's from the sponsors of Banned Books Week. A couple of comments on my part. First uh, is people should understand the use of the word violence here. So the left, which is not committed to truth, they don't believe that most of what happened in 2020, or the, they don't believe that much of what happened, forget most, mm. was violent. The violence that took place across the country was not violent. But this is violent. A book <laughs> yeah. that that is simply saying we have something so sad in our midst of this explosion of of girls, teenage girls, saying that they're boys, and in some extreme examples, having their healthy breasts removed because they say that they're boys. So that is an act of violence. In other words, the removal of a healthy girl's breasts is not violent. It is reporting it that is violent. This is the Orwellian world of the left. Secondly, I would have bet my car that it was a, a female who uh, would have tweeted that out. I point out regularly women are disproportionately involved uh, in the suppression of liberty in this country and, and in left-wing mm -hmm. things like this. Yeah, you're correct in that instance. It was a, it was a female. Yeah, well, you had mentioned it. What happened to the other book that you mentioned there when, when Harry became Sally? Yeah, that that's a book that was published uh, by Encounter Books, which is another conservative publisher, by Ryan Anderson. And uh, Ryan Anderson has written a lot on on the subject. It's about it's it's a broader treatment of the question of you know transgenderism. And uh, you've you've probably met Ryan uh, Dennis. He is he is the soul of uh, reason, right? A very Temperate and measured person. Mm -hmm. This this book is a is a uh, a very measured treatment of the subject. But well, somebody did, didn't. Mm -hmm. We don't have we don't have much time, so I just want okay. to know did did Amazon uh, drop it? Amazon dropped it. Yeah, the same story. There was a petition against it, and, this, and they they dropped it. So that book vanished. Yeah, hold on to your copy. Well, thank you for all you're doing, and thank you for publishing me. We'll be back. Darren in Lansing, Michigan. Hello. Hello. Great to speak to the Jedi Master again. Uh, okay. I just wanted to give kudos. I love all your fill-in hosts, but when Will and Amala do it, it gives me such hope for the future. 
you have trained those Padawans well. Well, it's very sweet of you. I, I can't say that I trained them. I, I think I've helped mentor them, but they're terrific on their own. And I, I do believe, despite what I said earlier, that it does give people hope in the United States that such young people are so articulate about what America stands for. Their, their stories are fascinating. You can hear them, by the way, daily at the PragerU. They sat in for me yesterday. I was out for Jewish holiday tabernacles. For those of you up on your biblical holidays, which is not many of you, but I understand that. And it says not to work on the first day, and I don't. I'm quaint. I listen to biblical law. Anyway, they sat in for me, and Will... As he as he often states, he did not know where his life was headed, and uh, he dropped out of college to his great credit. And that was the beginning of his attaining moral clarity, and he's become a tremendous spokesman at PragerU for our values. That is the country's values, and Amala's story is really amazing. Amala has a, an African dad and a white American mom. And the white mom is a uh, is on the left, is quite leftist, doesn't know where she went wrong. <laughs> and Amala is just this jubilant, joy-filled, by definition, can't be a leftist. There are no joy-filled leftists. I've never met one. I've met joy-filled liberals and joy-filled conservatives, but I've never met a joy-filled leftist. Their stories are terrific. And uh, I am very touched that you called to tell me how good they were. A lot of people have told me that. Okay, everybody, we got the male-female hour coming up on The Dennis Prager Show. The Dennis Prager Show, live from the Relief Factor Pain-Free Studio. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 